Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to More Than Amuse podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello everyone and welcome back to More Than Amuse. I'm Stani. I'm Sadie and thanks for being here and joining us. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. I'm excited to to talk. Anything that we need to cover or mention before we jump into the, the topic at hand? Any art you've been enjoying recently? Whether that's just TV show? There's been a really fun TV show. I watched all of it. Ooh. Did you ever watch Psych? A little bit. Not a lot. Yeah. Okay. I loved Psych. I have a thing for like goofy detective shows. Huge fan. Especially if there's like a little quirk Mm -hmm. involved. And there's this show on Peacock right now called Poker Face. Ooh. With a female lead that they usually don't have for detective shows. Yeah, I was going to say that is not usual. And she can tell when people are lying. Ooh. She's like a human lie detector. And she's like kind of on run from the law, but then she goes around and like solves crimes in every city that she's in and it was good the season finale was like phenomenal and i hear it's been renewed so excellent something to check out female lead you know love Love to see it i've only honestly been watching vanderpump rules hey that's okay (laughs) you know it's been great it's really trashy reality tv but you know I'm starting from the beginning. I'm on like season three. So. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know that much about it. Aren't they the ones who like work in a restaurant? Yes. Is that the whole premise? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which that sounds like the best place to do a reality TV show. Like really though. <laughs> even just like coworkers in general, there's always yeah. going to be drama. There's a reason why The Office was such a popular sitcom. Like yeah, exactly. Crazy things happen when you see the same people every single day. Mm-hmm. And like forced proximity to people that you wouldn't naturally maybe choose to be around. Yes. <laughs> So, you know, I'm I'm really like highbrow over here with my entertainment choices, but you know, <laughs> I know me watching through. like crime comedy shows. <laughs> we're obviously super highbrow over here. <laughs> yeah. You know, but when we have a podcast where you're watching documentaries all the time, sometimes in your entertainment time, you mm-hmm. just want easy to understand I no enjoyable thoughts. TV. Yeah, just just vibes. Yeah. 100%. Well, today I am talking about an artist that I feel like I found out a lot about her, but like as I was researching her, it felt very disjointed. You know what I mean? Mm. So like generally when we do research on someone, I'll open up to the Wikipedia page first, you know, get a good overview and rundown. But like, yeah. okay, I guess I'll tell you who it is. So her name is Mary Quant. She is a fashion designer and was the woman who is credited for designing the miniskirt. Ooh, okay. Yeah, we talked about her a couple weeks ago or at least briefly shouted her out on our what was the name of the episode fashion fashion rebellion. yes our, that's what we were calling it i can't remember exactly what i titled it but like our rebellious fashion choices. yes our rebellion and fashion through like the waves of feminism we did a whole episode on that and i loved doing the research for that episode and as i was doing that i found 
her name. And so I wanted to learn more about her. So I went to her Wikipedia page and for her fashion career, it was like at her boutique, she sold this. And I was like, wait, what? She opened a boutique? Like, what is the name? What is this? And so then I had to like Google something else and find a bunch of other articles to be like, oh, this was the name of the boutique. And this is what she did it. And like every article would almost just like weirdly briefly mention something that I'd be like, wait, what? Why is that not included in other things? And then I Mm. would like almost go and just kind of like pick up little bits and pieces just from all over the internet there weren't really any documentaries that were available here in the u.s to watch there is one Mm. in the uk but i could not figure out how i could stream it which is a shame because it looks like it was a really good documentary she also has a couple autobiographies so basically i felt like either i'm getting these like weird bits and pieces or i'm (laughs) literally reading her entire book and yeah unfortunately we don't have the time to do that for every single episode that we cover i really wish we did i really do sometimes i'm like wow i feel so unqualified but then i realize that there's people who do entire podcasts on just one person exactly so (laughs) exactly So (laughs) the purpose then of this episode today is to give a window into the culture that was surrounding her and what she helped to influence. And then, of course, talk about her and her life. But obviously, all we can ever do is provide a snapshot. So if you want to go learn more, like I said, there's whole books you can read about her that she wrote herself. If you want to get a little bit more of her takes on everything and I'm sure a lot more details than all the, like I said, a bit disjointed and I feel like to all the articles I was reading was almost focused more on the fashion which is obviously amazing and I in one way I like that I like that we're focusing so much on her work but also I was like wait but I need the biography how did we get here what was she thinking how did she feel about this I don't know but she's also alive so I wonder if that plays a fact in it that she's still alive I don't know that could be you know it's really interesting like I saw a TikTok the other day that apparently there's a magazine that releases like their top stylists each mm-hmm. year and like credits them for their work and like Anne Hathaway and her stylist were on the cover. Oh, cool. And they were talking about like how it's revived her enjoyment and getting dressed and you know, like everyone's seen the hot pink mm-hmm. like outfit that she had and everything. It made me realize that like I've never stopped to think about that, like the person behind what the celebrity is wearing, you know, yeah. like we always... There's people who do like the best dressed on the red carpet and then it's like some of these celebrities aren't probably aren't even like picking out what they're wearing. Not at all. They probably have so- somebody else who's <laughs> helping put together the looks for yeah. it to help and cultivate the like, image. Stylist celebrities who are working with these people like the one who mm-hmm. famously quit and everyone's like oh but he works with Zendaya. Yeah I was just, just like, gonna mention wait, that. Wait what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so it's been like really eye-opening lately where I've been like there's a whole world of these like stylists or like fashion designers that I feel like we don't really talk about until like after they're dead or like have made a huge name for themselves. Yeah, unless they're like a huge brand like Chanel or something like that. Yeah, or like Michael Kors or Mm -hmm. something. But there's so many more people behind the scenes that are influencing fashion trends and just everything around us, which is really cool to think about. Yeah, it's like a whole hidden world. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we dive into Mary's life, I do want to give a state of the arts, which is something that we haven't necessarily done, I don't think, for a while. If you're new here, state of the arts is just explaining what the heck was going on in culture when these artists came into what they're doing. So you can hopefully get a little bit more of a backdrop as to, you know, 
what was surrounding them or at least what movements they were a part of. And Mary Quant played a pretty critical role in the swinging 60s or swinging London. Ooh, fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, pause. I also thought it was kind of fun that like last week we talked about the Spice Girls and then now we're talking about Mary Quant. So we're just like talking about all the ways in recent history that Britain has just been like, hey, we're cool and come <laughs> over to America. You know? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like the Spice Girls kind of were part of the cool Britannica movement, mm-hmm. which was, you know, bringing back the Union Jacks into American fashion and everything. And she was a part of this just a couple decades earlier in the swinging That's 60s. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So the swinging 60s were a youth driven culture, um, a cultural revolution that took place in the United Kingdom during the mid to late 60s, emphasizing modernity and fun-loving hedonism with swinging London as its center. Swinging 60s, but like London was the epicenter of everything. It saw flourishing in art, music, fashion. It was symbolized by the city's just like pop and fashion exports, such as the Beatles and just other leaders of British invasion, a lot of the musical acts of that time, but also... Mary Quant's miniskirt designs, Twiggy and Jean Shrimpton. Yeah, wouldn't it also have been like pop art, like Pauline mm-hmm. Bodie? Yeah, ooh, I don't know. Was Pauline Bodie? Yeah, you're right. She was, I think she was right before that, though, I wonder. But probably. Okay, because I was like, pop art was happening in the United States in the 60s. Yeah. So I think that this was like the precursor or just a part of that. There were like huge, iconic, popular shopping areas such as London's King's Road, Kensington and Carnaby Street. Political activism was huge with the anti-nuclear mm. movement and of course the sexual liberation movement. And London, like I mentioned, was the center point of all this. It was basically like the after effects of the gloomy, grimy post-war into the bright shining epicenter of just style and freedom and coolness you know the reason why is because so there was a huge baby boom in the 1950s and then in the post-war economic boom it was almost like the first time that a group of young people weren't going off to war basically and they had extra money that they could just spend on things and so because of that they were able to put in a lot of investment into their personal style or just into personal expression generally because they didn't have as much obviously like heavyweight social responsibilities than their parents generation so they just had more freedom and so that affected culture and i think that's like really cool and i guess something that i didn't necessarily realize it was like oh yeah if you have a whole generation of people going off to war that would make sense time. that yeah like this first new generation is like oh cool we don't have to do this And that's why culture just exploded. That would be really freeing. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) To go in a little bit deeper to what fashion was like, during the swinging 60s, fashion and photography, they were featured in Queen magazine, which drew attention to the fashion designer, Mary Quant. Other just mod-related fashions, such as the miniskirt, obviously such a big deal, as well as like go-go boots and the bob cut hairstyle. I mentioned earlier... Jean Shrimpton was another icon and one of the world's first supermodels. She was the highest paid and most photographed model during the 60s. She was actually called the face of the 60s, which is really cool and has been considered by as the symbol of swinging London and the embodiment of the 1960s. She's someone I feel like we could do a future episode on or also just in general, like 
the supermodels of the 1960s because there were so many cool. of them. Also, Twiggy was known as the face of 1966 and the queen of mod. And I'll talk about it later, yes. but Mary Quant actually worked with Twiggy a lot. So that would make sense because Twiggy wore mini skirts like yeah as a brand mm-hmm. right that was like her thing totally yeah that makes sense um and then a little bit more just about mod fashion in general so the mod subculture was just a fashion obsessed and hedonistic cult of the hyper cool which i loved that and it was young adults that. who lived in just metro london and then like i mentioned due to the increasing affluence of post-war britain the use of the early 1960s were one of the first generation that did not have to contribute their money from after-school jobs to their family finances so as mod teens and young adults began using their disposable income to buy stylish clothes the first youth targeted boutique clothing stores open in london in the carnaby street and king roads district so this provides the backdrop of what she like i said came into where for the first time they are creating clothes for young people because for the first time young people can afford to buy their own clothes and just to do so for stylish reasons and just to make themselves look cool it's so interesting to be like oh wow that was unusual you know like yeah no it's really weird to think of that especially because like now clothes are like even less expensive than Mm -hmm. they've ever been especially for like teenagers and yeah there's a lot of like ethical reasons why that's a problem but like (laughs) clothes are very widely available for very cheap Mm -hmm. now and so a teenager buying their own wardrobe isn't as crazy no and then using their clothes to express themselves yeah like that's the standard yeah Absolutely. Well, for a overview of Mary. So she is actually Dame Barbara Mary Plunkett Green. She's a British fashion designer and fashion icon. So she's a dame. She's literally has the highest honors that the UK can give her. But she became an instrumental figure in the 1960s London-based mod and youth fashion movements. She was one of the designers who took credit for the miniskirt and for hot pants. I loved this quote. It was by Ernestine Carter. They wrote, It is given to a fortunate few to be born at the right time, in the right place, with the right talents. In recent fashion, there are three, Chanel, Dior, and Mary Quant. I love that. Right? And like I mentioned, she was born in the most opportune time, and she took advantage of it and shaped culture and women's fashion forever. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a fun way to think about things, too. That it's like, you know, so often we talk about women like being ahead of their time. Yeah. Like... If their time hadn't have happened, if they'd been born a few years earlier or later, like things would have been so different. But for someone to just be in the perfect time period. She was right where she needed to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I also was watching a documentary on YouTube about her. And what they said, I loved it, said if you were going to go to a 60s party and go in the 60s mod style, you'd be going in everything that Mary had invented. I love that. Really cool. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. This is a quote actually directly from her that I wanted to give before talking about her life. But she said, one of the things I've learned is never to hoard ideas because either they are not so relevant or they've gone stale. Whatever it is, pour it out. And that is exactly what she did. She poured out all of her ideas and here we are now. Mini skirts and hot pants. What are hot pants? Short shorts. 
Okay. They're like the high-waisted Like short the high-waisted short shorts. Yeah. That is very 60s mod. So, to talk about her early life, she was born February 11th of 1930 in Blackheath, London. She was the daughter of two Welsh teachers. Her parents, Jack and Mildred Quant, were both actually from mining families, but they were awarded scholarships to grammar school where they both attained first-class degrees at Cardiff University where they moved back to London to then work as school teachers which is really cool. Yeah. She went to Blackheath High School and for college, she actually wanted to study fashion, but her parents dissuaded her from that. So instead, she went and studied illustration and art education at Goldsmith College. Some things I read said that she dropped out, but another thing I read said that she got her degree in 1953. So hmm. this just goes into my spotty research where I was like, <laughs> everything's contradicting itself. I don't know. She either has a degree or doesn't. I mean, she didn't use it, so whatever. <laughs> and while she was in college, she actually met who would become her husband. Uh, her husband's name is Alexander Plunkett Green. They got married. And then after she either finished her degree or after she dropped out i'm not sure so if anyone listening knows for sure let me know because i can't say definitively she apprenticed actually at eric's which was a high-end hat making store and she worked there designing hats for this it's actually called maligner i think which is hat making or hat designing so they have a name for it yeah uh-huh when i was doing the research i was like what is maligner and then yeah it's just hat making so that's where she started designing is with hats so for her fashion career she's married and her husband was a bit of an entrepreneur a businessman himself so she opened up a boutique actually it was like i think he had a restaurant downstairs in the lower floor but then the upstairs was empty so that's where she opened up her boutique in 1957 on the top floor is where she opened up Bazaar, as in Harper's Bazaar, but they're not related. They're both just called oh, Bazaar. Okay. That would be cool, but that it's would just be bizarre. cool. <laughs> so she opened this on King's Road in London in 1957, which, if you remember from the state of the arts, King's Road was like where all the fashion Good place boutiques to were. Be. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's because of her that King's Road became the place to be. It actually talked about in that YouTube documentary I watched that she actually would start just by going to Harrods directly and buying fabrics and then going home, making the clothes and then reselling them herself. It's not like she really had all this business savvy of knowing like wholesale and working with manufacturers and buying in bulk. She didn't necessarily have that at the beginning. It just started from this genuine spot of going to Harrods, buying it all herself and then reselling it, which was I thought was really cool. But she created a shop where you could buy dresses, pants shoes accessories all at the same place and then have them all be coordinated into one look together before it was more like you would go to the shoe store and the clothing store and it wasn't necessarily one store with one specific aesthetic i mean that's such a given now it's one of those things that's like oh yeah that had to be invented but yes yeah, someone had to be the first of creating their own store with their own look and their own aesthetic where everything <laughs> works together you know <laughs> so weird yeah it's it's like random things. You're like, oh, cool. Yeah, that wasn't a given this mm -hmm. whole time. But it was there that she was creating her looks and people would come to Bazaar because they would know they would get the cool designs that she was making. Her bolder and unique places in her collection actually started getting more attention. And then it got media attention from Harper's Bazaar, which is really cool. I liked this quote. It said, because of this attention and her personal love for these bolder styles, she decided to take designs into her own hands initially working solo she was soon 
employing a handful of sewing machine operators. And by 1966, she was working with a total of 18 manufacturers. A self-taught designer inspired by the culture-forward Chelsea set of artists and socialists, Quant's designs were riskier and more unique than standard styles at the time. Quant's designs revolutionized fashion from the utilitarian wartime standard of the late 40s to the energy of the 50s and 60s cultural shifts. She stocked her own original items in an array of colors and patterns such as colorful tights obviously okay of course what i thought was really cool is that the impact didn't necessarily just come from her cool designs but in her boutique she took great lengths to make it a cool environment including the music that would be playing there the drinks and the hours that would appeal to young adults coming and wanting to come to her store and it was unique at the time it differentiated her from the department stores and also like the inaccessible like high-end stores where you know you'd had to be really rich to even you know dream of of, I guess going in there that's so fun I feel like we're kind of reaching that level again where people kind of want everywhere they go to be an experience yeah exactly Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's really cool to hear about that man can you imagine time traveling back and just being able to walk I want to go to bazaar in the 1960s that is now adding to my time machine wish list I want to go (laughs) buy a mini skirt from Mary Quant herself seriously that would just be so cool I think it's so perfect because she definitely just knew her audience so well and mm-hmm. serviced them uh, where she's like hey there's something missing here because either you can get amazing clothes high-end you know highbrow which I guess we talked about at the beginning of this podcast wow you know what we're consuming media that is the middle and this is what Mary Quant offered to the Yosin adults <laughs> there there's is our an audience for it <laughs> yes. and it's a powerful audience I feel like yeah mm-hmm. people forget like that's the sweet spot for a lot of people As we all know, you and I are major Taylor Swift fans. Yes. (laughs) And a TikTok came up on my For You page of this girl showing how she was customizing heels for each era of Taylor Swift. And then the comment that she was replying to was saying, like, are you going to switch each heel for every era during the concert? Oh. And... So then she was doing the Midnight's one and like creating like a bejeweled and then adding stars. And I was like, how is she switching out the heels of her shoes? Yeah. And then I realized she created the shoes. Like I clicked on her profile. Her bio says the shoe gal. She's the founder and CEO of a company called Passion Footwear. It's spelled like passion, like fashion. Yeah. Passion. Like fashion with a P. Mm-hmm. And her bio literally says talking shoes, biz and T-Swift well love it um i've seen her yes this is the coolest thing ever what (laughs) yeah so then i like watched one of the ones where she shows how it works and basically they created these like a base of a shoe that you can like take the bottom off and like interchange the soles so you can get it from a flat to a stiletto to a wedge like just Mm -hmm. from buying the different bases for each one i love it it's so cool and she says they're airport friendly so you can like take them through tsa no problem because you know if it had been metal or something yeah. that would be an issue <laughs> and then it also opens up the idea of like you being able to buy a pair and like totally customize them and then screw Switch them into out. like your regular shoes and yeah, then you I get like it. a totally custom pair of shoes without having to buy a whole new pair of shoes i love it yeah it's so cool i've seen her all over my for you page it's it is the coolest thing yeah, so super fun. She apparently was in Forbes 30 under 30, which yep. 
fair. She went on Shark Tank ABC in season 12, and they are actually doing crowdfunding right now. So if you're in a position where you're able to help a female-led business, that with, I think it'll do phenomenal. Like the idea of being able to switch the base of your shoe five different ways <laughs> is pretty phenomenal. So yeah, you can check out her... Oh, I didn't even say her username. Oh, yeah. <laughs> her username is Haley underscore Pavone. That's H-A-L-E-Y underscore P-A-V-O-N-E. That's on Instagram. And it's the same on TikTok. Or you can go check out her account for her shoes, which, like I said, is fashion, but with a P. So passion footwear. Amazing. Today, I'm spotlighting someone. Okay, her name's Jennifer Swanson. And it's Ever Echo. So it's Ever Echo Ceramics. And I love her bio because it says making mud magical. Ooh. And I like that take on ceramics. I think that's very adorable. That is so cute. Uh Uh-huh. And if you look through, she has very magical pieces of ceramic. Floral, gold, gold butterflies. They're beautiful. I think a lot of it's like just pots and like little plates little dishes and things like that so pretty yeah i absolutely love them and her next release is mid-april to be determined there you go so these are so pretty they are so beautiful you can go check out her potential next release forever echo ceramics Another cool thing that she did was she started printing the name Bazaar on the shopping bags so that when people left, it was like advertising for her store and made it seem like her store was like the cool place to go, which is another thing that was like that had to be invented. Yeah. That had to be first. I don't know if she was the first person to do that, but she definitely was the beginning of that trend where it's like making the boutique being identifiable with the styles that were coming from it and making it like the cool place to shop. That's so cool. In 1962, she actually signed a deal with JCPenney to license her name and put her clothes and manufacture some of her styles in over 1,700 stores around the globe, which is what made her styles very popular in America. I was like, it sounds weird now because like JCPenney was like is yeah. kind of weird now uh-huh. but like that was the thing they sent out their huge catalog every year like yeah. people didn't have amazon that's how they shop they would shop from jc penny and yeah. this is what created the reputation of the london look or as the mary quant label so this is pretty much how she became the name behind london fashion and when london fashion became cool in the united states which that's so no, cool. that also paired with the beatles coming over and all of that music from the british invasion coming in to america at the time like it definitely like it was cool to be british in the 1960s <laughs> like 100 percent. we still think it is for yes. all of our london listeners 100 percent. for a while in the late 50s and 60s she was actually one of the only two london-based high-end designers that were consistently offering youthful clothes for young people another person was the name by kiki byrne who's another person i don't know we don't want to do a whole episode on but she was also part like of the I've movement heard that, though yeah so she opened her own boutique on king's road in basically direct competition with quant wow Mm -hmm. kiki byrne was a big deal as well in 1960s fashion so shout out to her 
And then also she started working with Twiggy very early on in her career and helped basically like the looks that she put her in is what helped Twiggy's career blossom into what it ended up being. Another cool thing that I personally like because if anyone's new here, I release music under an artist named Daisy. Not spelled like the flower, but it's definitely inspired by obviously the flower. (laughs) (laughs) But her logo is this simplified black Daisy. Honestly, like if you just imagine like the mod 60s Daisy, what you're making a surprised face. Mary Quant died today. What? What? She died? Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your... When I googled Twiggy, because I was like trying to remember what she looked like, I saw Patty Boyd and I was like, what? So I was like, Patty Boyd and Twiggy pay tribute to daringly creative, fun genius Dame Mary Quant after fashion pioneer dies. And I was like, wait, I thought Sadie said she was alive. Then I realized it was listed seven hours ago. She died. This I did morning. all my research yesterday. Are you kidding me? She died at age 93 this morning. This is crazy. Okay, well, now there's going to be all the articles that are making research easier, I'm sure. That is not the point. That is crazy. Oh my goodness. Well, this is coming at a perfect timing. <laughs> We've to... never had such a timely. Episode. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad that I'm singing her praises right now. <laughs> yeah. So Twiggy just posted a photo of her yeah. on her, and so did Patty Boyd. Oh, I love Patty um, Boyd. I'm going to talk about her later in the episode. So perfect. <laughs> I'm so sorry to interrupt your. Train no, of this, thought is that. Oh my gosh. this is crucial. This is. I was a little bit floored. Gosh, she died today. Today, literally this morning. I mean, she was very old. She lived a very long life yeah 93 yeah okay now i'm like going through this new york times article and i'm getting so many amazing facts too (laughs) i'm like oh that's cool yeah apparently she made wedding coats for oh yeah patty boyd and george harrison she made Mm -hmm. their wedding coats i'm sure you'll talk about that of the beatles you know george harrison (laughs) no big deal oh my gosh that is insane this is wow okay well very timely i again i'm so glad that i'm now singing her praises that's (laughs) how did i miss that i mean i know i I did all my research yesterday yeah i'm like well and even when i googled her name she she didn't pop up it was only when i googled twiggy because daily mail put twiggy in the headline oh yeah so it was twiggy and patty boyd pay tribute to dame mary kwan when you did that shocked face, I was like, it's just a Daisy logo, Stani. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> that was because I was like, what the heck? I was like, the person we're talking about died today. Oh. <laughs> anyway, but back to daisies. I'm so sorry. Okay, so you go yeah, by Daisy. How dare you hijink this <laughs> with one of the most important pieces of news is new. Okay, well, all right. I'll talk about her logo, which I think is yeah, cool. Yeah, please do. And this comes directly from Mary Kwan website about her super cute logo if you think of like the typical 1960s daisy mod logo it's it's mary kwan's logo anyways but the daisy that has become our brand's icon was born from the doodles of young mary quant she she would draw the daisy whilst making her sketches in order to let her ideas flow compared to any other motif this simple design perfectly fit her something that cannot be created by science something truly unique in the world from then on it not only became an emblem of the freedom that mary promulgated along with her desire to break social norms and show individuality and also the emblem of our brand 
So cute. A little bit about the Daisy logo. That is so perfectly fitting, mm-hmm. especially for like the audience that she had, because it's just like it's, it's not pretentious. It's for a young audience. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm gonna talk about the mini skirt. There is some debate if it was actually Mary Quant or not who did this. But I'll give it to her. But we'll talk about it. So the mini skirt is described as one of the defining fashions of the 1960s. And it's the garment that is most widely associated with Quant. She is often, like I mentioned, cited as the inventor of the style. The claim has been challenged. Uh, Mara Allen, who was a contemporary fashion journalist and editor of the Young Ideas pages for the UK Vogue, firmly stated that another British fashion designer, John Bates, rather than Quant or Andre Carouges was the original creator of the miniskirt. Other credit Carouges with the invention of the style. However, skirts had already been getting shorter since the 1950s, a development quant considered practical and also liberating, allowing women the ability to run for a bus. Why, whenever there's like a question as to whether or not a woman invented something, there's always a man that they assume did it? That is the question for the ages, my dear friend, because it is repeating over and over again with the stories that we tell on this podcast like why isn't it ever like a competing woman yeah very true interesting but mary said it was the girls on the king's road during the swinging london scene who invented the miniskirt i was making easy youthful simple clothes in which you can move in which you could run and jump and we can make them the length and we would make them the length that the customer wanted i wore them very short and the customers customers would say shorter shorter so she gave the miniskirt its name after her favorite makeup car the mini and said of its wearers they are curiously feminine but their femininity lies in their attitude rather than in their appearance she enjoys being noticed but wittily she is lively positive opinionated and then the fashion model twiggy is who would popularize the miniskirt abroad so i love that she said no it wasn't me it was just the girls on king's road and yeah. i was making the clothes that they wanted and what they wanted were shorter skirts so that they could move around in so that's what i did and i just i really really love that perspective that's wonderful mm-hmm. and in addition to the mini skirt she's often credited with inventing the colored and patterned tights that tend to be accompanied by the mini skirt but also like their creation is Attributed to Balenciaga, who was, I guess, the first person to do pattern tights in 1962, or to John Bates, whoever this yeah, John Bates guy, like, I got never invented it. But like at the same time, it would have been popular without her if she wasn't stylizing, stylizing it and yeah, putting yeah. it on Twiggy and putting it with her skirts that she was creating. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure, like she said, like, the skirts at the time were getting shorter anyways. So I'm sure all around the world, people had ideas independently. But that's not the point. She definitely popularized it. So shout out to her. In the late 1960s, she also offered short shorts, which are the hot pants that I mentioned, that became a big British fashion thing. 1967, she designed berets in the 12 colors for British headwear company Kangol. And then her berets featuring her Daisy logo are actually in her collection at the Victoria and Albert Museum. The Victoria Albert Museum has a huge cool display on her i watched a whole youtube video about it and it has all of her like clothes from the 1960s so that's so cool cool thing for the instagram this week to maybe shout out that exhibit but what's actually interesting is during the 1970s and 80s she actually shifted from fashion and concentrated on household goods and makeup rather than just her clothing line she also claims to have invented the concept of a duvet cover shout out to mary kwan 
for duvets. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Another cool thing that she did is there was a doll called the Daisy Doll, which was a 1970s doll that was actually designed by her. It was released in 1973 with the tagline, Mary Quant makes Daisy the best dressed doll in the world, which I loved. And of course, that the name so cute. was a reference to the Mary Quant's logo, which was a daisy flower. So now you're going to have to find one. Yeah, they are actually (laughs) on Etsy, a lot of them. And I was like, okay, cool. Continuing on with her career. So in 1988, she designed the interior of the Mini, which was a designer car but it actually featured a black and white striped seats with red trimming the seatbelts were red and the driving and passenger seats had her signature on the upper left quadrant and then the steering wheel had her signature daisy which i think is adorable and i think just goes to show her influence is that she named the miniskirt kind of off of the car and they were like cool come design a car for us and how fun yeah i think that's amazing what a cute little car i know and there were two thousand of them that were released into the uk so so those are probably worth a lot of money (laughs) yeah i know i'm like (laughs) i don't know where they are in the world but they are probably yeah an amazing thing to stumble on i'm gonna have a lot of photos post this week Yes, you are. I've been so excited for you to see it all. (laughs) So at this time, too, she was also continuing with her edX line. And then in the year 2000, she resigned as director of Mary Quant, her next company, and a company in Japan bought it out. And now there are more than 200 Mary Quant color shops in Japan. So I think that her cosmetics line is a lot bigger in Japan than it is you know here in the u.s obviously but also in the uk and this goes back to like the research with at the time that i was looking it through it feels like it very quickly jumped to just like a couple cool things she did and then in 2000 she sold the company and i'm like wait but what's happened since i'm not necessarily sure but you know now that she has passed away i think that there's going to be a lot (laughs) i feel like there might be a little bit more information available on her so wow The makeup looks adorable. Yeah, it really does. A brief note about her personal life. So she met her first husband and they were together until he passed away. She also had a son whose name was Orlando. He was born in 1969. She has five autobiographies, different variations, different of them. There's like Quant by Quant, Color by Quant, Quant on makeup, classic makeup and beauty book. And then in 2011, she released Mary Quant autobiography, which was her second full biography Uh, sounds like they'd be an interesting read i know i would really love to read them as for her honors and recognition which is very extensive so 1963 (laughs) she was the first winner of the dress of the year award in 1966 she was appointed officer of the order of the british empire in 1966 so like right at the beginning of her career still for her outstanding contribution to the fashion industry she arrived at buckingham palace to accept the award in a cream wool jersey mini dress with blue facings which i just like that they included what she was wearing and then in 1990 she won the hall of fame award of the british fashion council she was appointed dame commander of the order of the british empire in the 2015 new year's honors for services to british fashion and then she was appointed member of the order of the companions of honor in the 2023 new year honors of service to fashion so wow if you look up her name on wikipedia there's parentheses of like obe dbe ch 
for just all this recognition that she has. That's so cool. She also received an honorary doctorate from the Harriet Watt University in 2006. In 2009, the miniskirt designed by Quant was selected by the Royal Mail for their British design classics commemorative postage stamp which i thought was really cool and then in 2012 i guess there was a she was among the british cultural icons selected by the artist sir peter blake to appear in the new version of his most famous artwork which was the cover of the beatles sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club bam all like the album cover he created a new one which included british cultural icons and she was included in that which i thought's really cool cool. Mm -hmm. i want to end with one more quote from her where she said, we were at the beginning of a tremendous renaissance in fashion. It was not happening because of us. It was simply that, as things turned out, we were a part of it. Good designers like clever newspapermen know that to have any influence, they must keep in step with public needs. And that intangible something in the air, I just happened to start when that something in the air was coming to a boil. Which Obsessed. I know. And like we talked about at the beginning, she really was just in the right time and she had the creativity for it. She was willing to give to an audience that was so desperate for cool clothes and she provided it and basically wrote the book of any 60s party fashion that you would attend now in 2023 seriously wow that is incredible so there is mary quant and yeah she died today april 13th which is man like the odds that's crazy <laughs> no what are the odds definitely never had that happen before not on accident no that is crazy i have to say like the way that her branding is like <sighs> on everything throughout her entire life mm-hmm. is like a dream come true for me yeah is so good <laughs> like oh my gosh now just like going through these articles i'm finding so much another quote of her is good taste is death vulgarity is life i love that that. this is another one snobbery has gone out of fashion and in our shops you will find duchesses jostling with typists to buy the same dresses i love that she called the store a sophisticated candy shop for grown-ups it makes me want to go even more (laughs) i oh that would be so fun i know i didn't mention patty boyd but same thing as twiggy where they were dressing in mary styles and they were both cultural icons and that kind of helped popularize that style the guardian just posted something Mm -hmm. talking about what they credit her for oh cool and it's the mini skirt workwear tights pockets on everything it's like dresses with pockets thankful for mary kwan and the idea was that you could put your lipstick or your bus fare in your dress and not have to bring a purse boyfriend jeans or like clothes you know like men's knitwear as women's wear athleisure the skinny rib sweater like the roll neck sweater that adele's like famous for you know where it's like a tight Uh uh-huh mod neck party flats fun proof mascara as in waterproof unheard of at the time wow isn't that insane that is insane like probably not like inventing a lot of this but like definitely popularizing absolutely it. pushing it into the mainstream which is i think is just as important as who invented it i agree it takes like it takes both because mm-hmm. you can invent something but if like no one no ever one knows about, about it, it who cares it doesn't really do anyone any good yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah the idea that you could like 
that you could take something that's invented and like push it out and market it in the right way mm-hmm. that requires a whole other level of talent exactly well everyone there is mary quant and it seems like this is a perfectly timed episode <laughs> which is great i'm so glad that we got to honor her then this week and the amazing contributions that she made on not just fashion but i would just say global culture period and it's amazing that you can see the effects of her and what she brought into the world now even so thanks for yeah thanks for being here and i hope you enjoyed learning about her i definitely did and i'm excited to see even more articles coming out about her mm-hmm. as we move forward this week absolutely <laughs> for real and I'm definitely so <laughs> yeah i know and definitely tune in to the instagram we'll be posting a ton of photos subscribe to our newsletter if you want more of the resources and everything that we use to find information about these people mm-hmm. and more photos on that leave us a review if you love us and we'll love you yes, right back that would be wonderful mm-hmm. well see, see you next week, week. bye bye Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.